Yesterday, I gave my mock draft 1.0. Today, it is Leaf Tulin's turn to share his mock draft 1.0. We know who's going number one. We know who's going number two. But find out who's going number three. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. I am your host, Rafael Barlow the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for today is Leif Tuline. I am exhausted. It is 11.40 p.m. Central Time. And it's a little bit earlier because Leif is in Mountain Time. It's weird. Two of the are locked on NBA Big Board hosts are in Mountain Time. Probably the only two people other than David Locke that I know <laughs> that are in Mountain Time. Leaf, what is going on, and, and, and how is everything shaking in your neck of the woods? All is well for me. A, a relatively off off day of work, so I got to play some basketball and, and I've been able to watch some film as well. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm having a good day, and, and all is well in here in Utah. All right. So I was actually at the St. Mary's Houston game this past weekend. And I was able to talk to a, a, a jazz high level executive about the draft. <laughs> and he's just as, I don't want to say he's confused, but he's our, our conversation on Saturday was totally different regarding the draft than it was um, in October when I saw him in Las Vegas, because obviously the jazz were, Expected to be in the sweepstakes or the, the Wimben Yama watch. And his comment to me was, are jazz fans really driving up your, your listens? And I said, I don't think so right now. I think they're kind of focused on the playoffs. And so you're, you're in Utah. What is, what is the temperature there? Are our fans still like all in on the Wimben Yama watch or is it like, let's shoot for the playoffs? Like what's, in your opinion, what is the mindset right now? I think I think you have a mix of both. I think the atmosphere is fun because they're they're overachieving as a team, um, especially at the start of the year. And uh, for uh, multiple points during that first kind of stint of the season, the Jazz were at number one. Now they're kind of in a play-in game if it were to start today. And I think there's some people that say, "Well, we know we're not true contenders." So let's let's tank and get one Benyama. And then there's, you know, there's always going to be in between, but there's certainly people, especially on Twitter, that are kind of cynical of, of the success the Jazz are having and saying, well, we, we must tank because there's no experience you can gain. And I find myself somewhere in the middle. I think this draft has enough talent that if you're with three picks, you, you should be able to get some some high level contributors to your team um, by trying your best. And with the roster they have, there could be trades and you could become worse towards the trade deadline. And, and you still have a lottery pick and then, you know, two, two other picks to, to take a crack at some swings. So I'd say the temperature is, is uh, optimistic. And there's people that really admire the job Will Hardy's done. I'm one of those people. I think he's done a, ph a phenomenal job and I really believe in culture and chemistry. So 
I, I think it's a good thing that the Jazz are competing early and are ahead of schedule. And obviously, when Benyama can transcend a franchise, but there's plenty of players in this draft. Should they draft, you know, ten through twelve, that I think should should the organization develop them properly and, and the Jazz get the right guy could really have a similar impact, even if it's not to the magnitude that when Benyama will, because he's, you know, and quite frankly, he's the best prospect since LeBron James and LeBron James has got every argument to be one of the, I won't be controversial, but I'll, I'll just say one of the best two, three players ever. Um, so, you know, this is a, this is a good draft to make a chance. And when Benyama would be lovely to get, maybe the lottery odds will fall in our favor, but if not, I'm still optimistic best draft prospect so you, you have him over Luca like what does he have to do to live up to the hype uh, coming into it I mean Luca Luca wasn't regarded as the top prospect by the majority of draft draft experts that year whereas when Benyama is being seen as you know last year he would have gone number one over Mancaro who's been phenomenal and yeah. uh and then you could even make the argument two years ago that was the case so I, I mean, I love Luca. He's my favorite player to watch in the entire NBA, but I don't think it's fair to say that he was a better prospect coming in based off the way that the majority of people looked at him. Yeah, I think if Luca was on the NBA app and he had like a showcase game prior to the season, I, I think the he probably would have had a similar buzz. I mean, he, he won the EuroLeague, <laughs> like he, which is it, it's crazy in a sense. And, and you know, it's a step up compared to what to what Victor is doing. I think that there was a point where Luca kind of wore down a little bit because he literally, and I was living in, in Europe at that time, he didn't have an offseason. Like he went straight from Real Madrid, went to the Final Four. Then he probably had a few weeks off. Then they had Eurobasket that summer. That's when he like turned the corner, made this big jump. And then from Eurobasket, they went straight into the season. And then they went all the way to the final four. So there was a period maybe like in April, he probably wore down a little bit because he played straight. I mean, literally straight through. And so I, I thought that he was head and shoulders, the best prospect in, in that draft, but I, I saw him, I was there. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, anyway. All right. So let's just get into your, to your draft. All right. So for the remainder of this segment, I want you to talk about the guys that missed out on the lottery. Is there one guy that did not make your lottery that is probably on, it's probably in the lottery on consensus draft boards? Well, yeah. So I, I, I kind of use Tankathon as my amalgamation of, of draft boards. And, and so I'll, I'll say a, a couple guys that I have in the lottery that, that, uh, that I, aren't there i mean gg jackson i'm higher on than the, the majority so and that's out of the lottery um that's in it then there's going to be a few that are in the lottery here that i don't have in my lottery um one one would be uh dylan mitchell i've got just outside of the lottery i, I think he's got high upside and there's some players that there's going to be some teams that really are enamored by his size i've heard he's going to measure closer to six nine than what he's listed at at six seven and that may rise but I think he's a he's a beneficiary of playing a really good team right now that fits his athletic attributes. Um, so he's he'd be one of the main ones. I think some people may have Kyle Filipowski um, cracking the tail end uh, or Derek Lively, and uh, neither of those two are in my lottery either. Yeah, I don't have Lively and Filipowski in my lottery. I have Dylan Mitchell in my lottery. I have him going. 
to Orlando at number 11, I use um, 538 projections. And man, would it be, I guess, very difficult for him to crack Orlando's rotation if the roster is what it is today. We're talking about a team that has Bancaro, Wagner, um, Bo Bo, and then Jonathan no Isaac hasn't hasn't played yet. So yeah, that that front line. I mean, Orlando's roster seems like it has nineteen guys on it. It just seems like they have a a bunch of guys. And I had a, a conversation with a, a parent today of a of an NBA player. He was talking about this particular class, and I was like, I don't really know too many guys in a fair, just fair, straight up open competition in this class that could crack Orlando's rotation or even Houston's rotation. Do you, do you agree? Uh, you, you make the point of fair, which I, I think is a really good point, especially we talked about this with Houston. Jabari Smith was picked third. Tari Eason was picked 17th and Jabari and Tari are both productive. But, uh, but I think that you're going to, no matter what, even if they, even if Tari had been better, Jabari would get more playing time because of the politics of it. Um, I use this as an example because it's something we, we spoke of earlier on. But if you, if you kind of bring this up, I mean, there's, there's the top guys, Wenbenyama, Scoot, and I'd say Amon Thompson that I think no matter what team they're on, they're going to crack the rotation for. But even a guy like Cam Whitmore or Brandon Miller, I think struggles to crack the rotation for those teams immediately. So I'm with you there. I, I think that those teams are redundantly built, yep. um, talented, but redundant. And, and I think there's going to be personnel choices, uh, almost, almost in the way that Cleveland had two on-ball guards and Darius Garland and, and uh, Colin Sexton. And they, they correctly chose to, to kind of build around Garland. And I think you're going to see more and more of these teams kind of picking best available and then choosing the best available down the road. Yeah, you can look at the Thunder who can come in and just crack their rotation right away if everybody's healthy. Just the guys at the very top of the drafts. All right, let's, let's get uh, right into actually, you know, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we will go through your lottery. I want to tell the audience about prize picks and I'm sure the audience knows, but if you are new, you're a first time listener. Prize picks is a this daily fantasy made easy. You pick two or six players and you will decide if they will score more or less than their prize pick projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus their projections available. Prize pick offers projections on any sport that you watch. So it's NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer. They even have esports. And the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They have safe and fast withdrawals, and it is currently operational in 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first-time user, you can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out 
Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, which is available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm Rafael Barlow, my co-host, Leaf Tulane. All right, let's just get right into your lottery. At number 14, who was the last guy to barely make the cut in your lottery? So I, I did it team by team. So I have my, my last two ranked were Gigi Jackson and Kalel Ware. Um, so I, I guess it would have depended who was picking there, uh, depending on the, what the lottery odds gave out. So the way I did it, it had the Jazz picking 14th, okay. which was, you know, fun for me. Um, and I have Gigi Jackson at number 14. And I think there's a case he could go higher. I just think that a lot of the teams ahead kind of don't uh, are, are more of more built to try to win sooner due to where the situations they were at. And I think Gigi Jackson being the youngest player in the draft is, is would be a, a nice addition to the jazz. And also he's a player that I'm higher on than the, the consensus, I believe, because he's, he's one of two freshmen in the country scoring 17 points a game. And I mentioned he's the youngest. He's on a horrible, horrible South Carolina team tasked with carrying a kind of inconceivable load that I, I think once he's an SEC play will diminish. And I think there's going to be people on Twitter that say, oh, my Lord, he's inefficient. But to me, that means he's tasked with doing things that others could not uh, carry that burden. I think in the long term, it'll be good for him. Um, so I think that would be a very good pick for one, my, my Utah Jazz. But secondly, I, I also think that at a tail end of the lottery, he's got more upside than the, the most players that you could take there. Yeah, I, I had him going number 16 to the Jazz. And again, my, was, my order was based off of 538 projections. Which based off of 538, Jazz will have the 12th pick, 16th pick, and 23rd. So I did have him going to Utah, so we have that in common. He's somebody that could easily end up in my lottery. I mean, it easily. He could easily be in the lottery, but just the way the the cookie crumbled when I did my mock, he he fell just outside of it. Khalil Ware, what what are your thoughts on on Ware? And then where do you have him going? Yeah, so I'll start with the thoughts. Khalil Ware is kind of what I imagined he'd be. He's, he's a little raw, but there there's talent that seeps through and, it, and it's intriguing. Um, you see the shooting touch, the high release, the defensive instincts. Um, one of the best things that happened to Khalil Ware was in folly Dante getting hurt. Um, and, and then, you know, that's never something you, you wish for, but I think in his case, he's been able to kind of play in that matchup zone organs and playing in the middle. And he's been able to take the, natural position as a rim protector rather than someone who's kind of sliding on guards on the perimeter and and kind of kind of he, he looks like a baby baby horse at a uh, colt at times because he, he's he's so long and all of a sudden a guy like marcus sasser of houston's driving at his hip and he, he kind of just like tumbles away and then when you see the then there's a one play where um jamal shed goes to the rim a very aggressive powerfully built guard goes to the rim and he and he just goes straight up and, and stonewalls him and so I, I think the the moral of the story here is that he's he's raw he's talented and he's with play time and and the physicality that he's going experiencing as the center as the marked man uh, without and dante it's it's improved his stock in my eyes and so in my mock i've got him going 13th to the knicks uh, i think that's a, a good fit for him I'm not usually the biggest fit person. I'm, I'm usually best player available. And I think he's close to that, but in terms of fit, this is a good one because I think Mitchell Robinson isn't the long-term answer there. And he could fit around some of the pieces they have already established in New York. 
Yeah, especially if he ends up being the rare pick and pop, pick and roll, like your vertical lob threat, your, your rim runner. Crazy coincidence, I have him going 10th on my board, and on, on my mock, the 10th pick goes to the Knicks, so we're like two for two. Just different uh, different numbers, but uh, the teams are, are are both the same. All right, number 12, who is who do you have going number 12? So I, I've got the J- Jazz at 12 on mine, and and it gets really interesting because it dep- like it it really depends who goes above, because um, there's a couple that I think you could go you could spin a different different a couple different ways. Uh, I have the Jazz taking Anthony Black here, and uh, I was tempted to take Anthony Black with the 11th pick to the Thunder, but uh, I ended up taking Jerace Walker there. So I'll, I'll I'll explain I'll explain the Anthony Black uh, Anthony Black to the Jazz at 12. I'd be really thrilled with as a Jazz fan jumbo facilitator i actually was lower on him entering this season and i've been really impressed he's one of the prospects who's improved his stock the most in my eyes is his performance at maui and just the relentless pressure he was able to put on the rim and use his his traits of size and he was a better athlete in the half court than i anticipated and um i like that pick because he's He's not going to be forced into being the primary facilitator, but he can use those traits and be a facilitator on a team that will have uh, any egalitarian uh, attack. So it's a good fit for him, and uh, I like the pick for the Jazz there. And uh, I think I think there's a chance that he's higher on my board than than where he is right now. He's his stock is trending upward, and I like what I see from Arkansas as a whole. I wonder how he'll adjust to Nick Smith once Nick Smith is fully acclimated. Uh, we didn't plan this out, but our Three picks are the same. I had Anthony Black going 12 to the Jazz with the Wolves pick. And my commentary was it's just a perfect situation for him. It gives Utah a a big facilitator, and he can develop and learn under Mike Conley for a year or, or two. And Utah just doesn't really have a lot of size in the backcourt as far as, like, their, their point guards. And so, yeah, I, I thought that was a – a great fit for Anthony Black. Sometimes, you know, when you're doing these mock drafts, fit isn't the best, but you don't really – I mean, some people really don't consider fit at all. All right, so who do you have at 11? Uh, Jerace Walker um, to the Thunder for me. Uh, I, I, was, I was deciding between he and Anthony Black, and I, I thought that the plug-and-play ability – you saw what Jalen Williams was able to do in the summer league and be a cutter – and be someone who can be a secondary or tertiary facilitator. The, now they're different, but I think the energy and plug and play ability of Drace Walker and Jalen Williams are similar. Um, and, and his physicality and switchability is something that I think that Mark Daniel could use. And I actually think the Thunder will be very good defensively down the road. They've got their backcourt set in stone. And this is one of the rare instances I'm truly enamored by the fit maybe. And I think he's kind of there on my board anyway, the nine through 11 range nine through 12 range. Um, and, and then you add in Chet Holmgren as a piece. I, I think these guys are all a nice mesh. And I, I think Jarius Walker is a guy that you can confidently say, no matter where he goes, he'll be productive because of the way he can be inserted for energy and not, you don't have to drop plays for your, your lottery rookie. He'll just make the plays himself. He, he and Tari Eason are similar that way. And Tari was a guy I was very high on in the last draft cycle. Yeah, I saw him play this week. He's kind of in a slump right now. He's only scored 12 points in their last three games. Just, I mean, he just kind of had some troubles with St. Mary's. Looked like he was trying to do a little bit too much off the dribble. And um, 
Yeah, just he's in a slump right now, but he's on a team that is the number one ranked team in the country. So his role is more so, I think, similar to what his role would be as a rookie in the NBA, where he'd be like an energy guy uh, and, and just kind of like a plug and play. Crazy talented. Um, there's so much that I don't think he's really been able to showcase so far. If you watch his high school film, you see that he's just a really, really good passer. And even though he's shown some flashes of it, I don't think I've seen like the the full arsenal of playmaking that that he that he has. I actually have him going number thirteen in my board, going to my Portland Trailblazers, who I hope are not in the lottery. All right, when we return, we will cover your top ten. Stay tuned. Our last segment is Rafael Barlow with my co-host Leaf Tuline. We left off with Jairus Walker going to the Thunder. And is that, is that your 11th pick? Yeah, that was my 11th pick. All right, number 10. Who is number 10 on your the Leaf Tuline mock draft 1.0? So I, I have the Knicks here, and, and I have them taking Keontae George, although so I had I had on my mock Anthony Black slash Keontae George. So I, I had Anthony Black slide down, um, and now revisiting, I'm I'm kind of second guessing myself, but I'll, I'll I'll stick with my Keontae George one. It just may, may mess me up in in the future one, but uh, Keontae George to the Knicks is something I could see happening because uh, Jalen Brunson's there, R.J. Barrett's there. Could he be a sixth man? And this is talking about fit, but Keontae George will make plays that make your mouth drop. I watched him play against Aga the other day, which was hard to find. It was on Peacock, but uh. Long story short, he made this one move where he kind of spun, put the ball between his legs toward the defense, contorted his body and hit a three uh, when plastered, like perfect defense. And I, and you kind of made yourself think like, wow, like I go, I go to almost every jazz game. And I was like, Jordan Clarkson makes that type of shot. If Keontae George has a higher potential than Jordan Clarkson and Jordan Clarkson's averaging about 19 a game right now, I, I think it's hard to argue that he's not worthy of uh, of one of these top 10 picks I've compared him to Jamal Murray before. Mm-hmm. And I think though the Knicks aren't a perfect situation for him coming in, it takes a little bit of pressure away having a guy like Jalen Brunson who will, will handle the ball. And I think should he be there, that would be an intriguing pick. I also could see the wizards kind of having him protege under Bradley Beal at eight. So I had kind of a slash there as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm not uh, opposed to the Knicks situation for him. I think it's, Maybe not the, the perfect fit, like you said, but if he is like begin his career as like their sixth man or as like um, maybe even like the role that Matherin is playing right now for, for Indiana, I think that's that's a good fit for him. Um, I think that he's answered some of the concerns, even though he's not really shooting the ball well. I think he's shooting under 40 percent from the field. But I think he's answered some of the concerns and questions that people had about him coming into the season. He had a reputation as being like a high volume scorer, a guy that needed a lot of shots to be effective. And I think he's fit in well with with with, uh, with Baylor's guards, who I mean they returned their their two top leading scorers. He's averaging four assists per game, so I think that he has shown that he is a capable playmaker. And then another concern that people had about him was his just defensive effort. And I would say that coming in, he was a great defender in high school. I think he just has like a cool laid back personality and sometimes or or just kind of a laid back demeanor on the court. And I think sometimes when you're laid back on the court, people can say you're lazy. 
Um, but he's shown that he can be an, a, a, you know, a good solid defender. So I think that he's really helped himself, especially the last game against, um, against Gonzaga. But I think that he's still trying to figure things out and figure out his role. And once he gets going, I, I, I think his stock could, could end up putting him at the very, you know, putting him at least in, in the middle of the first round. I'm sorry, in the middle of the lottery. All right, number nine. Who's number nine on your board? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll preface nine with saying that that eight through ten, I think all of them are kind of competing for for a couple players and at the guard slots. I think the Wizards, the Heat, and the Knicks are my eight through ten. Wizards eight, Heat nine, Knicks ten. So I had Keontae going ten. I could very easily see the Wizards going eight and on the way I mocked it I, I kind of had a slash there so uh, I'll preface this with that that I'm gonna give the hypothetical of of two here um uh the heat I think the perfect player for them is Casey Wallace so mm-hmm. that said I thought Casey Wallace to the Wizards would have been the best pick too so I want to have him going I haven't gone to the Wizards yeah so so I'll, I'll combine if that's all right the Wizards and the Heat and I'll give the rationale for both if, um just because I, I wanted to talk about Casey and the Heat like if there's a heat culture guy in the draft, I think that the pick that like, if I asked you that question, I think there's two answers and it would have been case and Wallace and Jarese Walker or like yeah. heat culture dudes. Yep. And, and so if, if he's there and if the heat are there, which I doubt they will be um, that made too much sense for me not to take it nine. Um, that said the wizards, I also had case and Wallace or Anthony black being the two that I would have taken. And, and also Keontae George would have been a, a consideration um, Kaysen would have been my favorite for the wizards as well, which was, which is where I ended up taking him just because I'm a, I'm a believer that at that spot, you're asking too much for one of them to be like a, a protege for Bradley Beal. I think they, they reached for Johnny Davis. We, we discussed this many times. I, I didn't, I wasn't high on Johnny Davis. And I think that that was a tough spot. And I thought that why not take a player that you, you don't ask to be the star here and have him be a co-star. So that's why I liked Case and Wallace here. And then obviously the heat, the heat culture one made too much sense. Anthony Black and Keontae George were my other considerations. And then one more guard that's kind of in that same mold that right now is, is not doing so well, but I could see kind of fitting roles for those three teams would be Derek Whitehead. Should he return to kind of what he was uh, coming out of Montverde? I, I just, I think the foot injury is being swept under the rug saying he looks slow and heavy footed. I think you'll see flashes of him being a better athlete than he was. I don't think he's the dominant one and he's a good shooter. He's a good shot creator because he's smart. He's intelligent. He doesn't force shots and he's able to create for others with his intellect and his able to uh, ability to put pressure on the defense. So um, I'll give kind of a wishy washy washy answer there because there's you know, that's, that's the way the draft goes. If one player is picked somewhere, you're, the other team's going to have to adapt. And I couldn't stay away from talking about Case and Wallace as a potential player for the Heat, the way that Tankathon Lottery gave me. Yeah, and 538 had Miami, I guess, uh, turning the corner at some point in the season. And they had Miami picking at number 18. And so such a huge gap between where 538 sees them and then where, where Tankathon has it based off the standings today. But I had Case and Wallace going to the Wizards. And yeah, K, um, but Case and Wallace in Miami would be like, I mean, it would just be like, it, it would just be like their type of guy. And then you have to consider that Kentucky guys out, outperform their draft position almost every year. And so I'm, I'm sure Miami would be thrilled if they had the same results from. Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, if they got similar, 
similar draft value out, out of Case and Wallace. All right, number eight. So, so that was where I had the Wizards. So, um, so I, I kind of did two picks there. Um, and so I, I had Case and Wallace going to the Wizards, and then like Dariq going nine. Should he should he fall? Um, so, so if yeah, that was that was where I kind of got messed up because I wanted to talk about Case and as a fit on the Heat, but because I didn't think the Heat would be there, I didn't follow through. So that was my fault. Um, seven though, I have an interesting pick. Okay. Uh, o- Osar Thompson at seven, who I considered going as high as five. Um, I- I'm I'm turning the corner on Osar. I really really like him. I think he's got a higher potential than a few of the guys that are regarded as as kind of more slam dunks than him. Um, I think the Pelicans are a perfect place for Osar Thompson because there's a lot of good players there. He he can develop slowly or accelerate his pace, such as like Herb Jones did. He's got athleticism. His shots starting to get better. Forty three percent from three on three and a half attempts. Yeah, uh, if you I would have told me that before the season. I would have told you you're crazy. I I can I, I toyed with putting him number four behind his twin brother Amen at three, but I have him seven here. Um, and this was a bit of a fit pick. I, I I think that the team above him on mine, the Magic, uh, needed a a guard and and Nick Smith. But for seven, Osar Thompson of the Pelicans, I think that's a perfect kind of fit of culture and athleticism and he fits the youth movement there so I, i'm i'm pretty excited if i were the pelicans to get seven and get osar thompson that would have me overjoyed i have him at number six and i think there's a strong possibility he could crack the top five if he continues to shoot the way the way he's shooting all right you, you briefly mentioned nick smith so that means you have nick at number six Yes, I, I had I had Nick Smith at six, um, and this is going out on a limb because obviously he hasn't seen him. We haven't really seen him. So Osar on my big board is higher than Nick Smith, but I'm kind of projecting Nick Smith to accelerate his his development and show show his stuff. I think the Magic are redundant, as we mentioned. Jalen Suggs is getting better. Cole Anthony isn't a point guard to me. So I went with a guy that I think could be a true point guard if, if groomed correctly. Um, and, and the magic will be still redundant, but there's a chance that he, he becomes the guy at the point guard spot there and, and accelerates the timetable with a talented roster. Yeah. And you see Markel Fultz is back and he's looked good since he's returned Had 20 points tonight. Somebody's gone. <laughs> like somebody that they either just drafted or just paid is is has to be out the door. And on the 538 mock, they had Orlando at number two. And you know, at number two, that means they're selecting Scoot. And so I had uh, in my article, I wrote, one of those guys is going to have to scoot over and scoot out the roster because no, no matter what, it's, it's going to be redundant in, in Orlando. All right. So at num- so you had Osar at number seven. Who do who do you have at number six? So six was Nick Smith. Okay. Um, and then five is Brandon Miller to the Rockets for me. Um, That's a good this, fit. I like yeah, that fit for him. That was a bit of a fit pick. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I, I toyed with Osar at any spot from four through four through seven. And Brandon Miller, that, that screamed, hey, what do, they, what do they lack on the Rockets? Uh, someone that can shoot shoot well, create their own shot. Um, Jabari can really shoot. Uh, I, I mentioned I, the reason I was a bit lower on him was I thought he could defend and be a pick-and-pop big, but he's not as talented at creating his own shot. Brandon Miller is is a very good shot creator for his, his own self, and the guards there, I think they're going to you know, choose which, which guard they're going to build around down the road. Obviously, it's Jalen Green. 
Is Kevin Porter going to be part of it? I'm not certain of that. And I think, you know, you, you build a long, versatile lineup, especially with some of the depth pieces. Brandon Miller makes sense there to me. And, and I think he's, he's could find a way to be one of the top two scores there, despite being one of the lower of, of those three, four highest picks they've had in the past few years. Yeah. He's a guy that so many people were, I think you were just either hot or cold on him coming into the season and no matter what, no matter how cold you are on him, you have to respect the fact that he's averaging like 19 and nine shooting 46% from three on seven attempts per game. And he's, in my opinion, he's been the most impressive freshman in, in this class. I actually have him going to San Antonio at number four. And I think it'd be a little bit of redundancy there with, with him playing similar positions as Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, but there's always room for a six, nine, six, nine shooter. And, and you can say the same for Houston. I think that he would give them another just floor spacer. And if Jabari hits, you know, eventually becomes the, the, the floor spacer that they believe. And then with Brandon Miller on the wings, I mean, that's a lot of open driving lanes for, for, for Jalen Green and, and Kevin Porter Jr. And, and also um, for uh, Alperin Shingoon in the post, who's a, a pretty good passer. All right, so I guess that means you have Cam Whitmore at number four. Yes, and this was a bit of a fit pick as well. I actually, Brandon Miller and Osar Thompson are right now ahead of Whitmore, but I haven't updated my board since Whitmore truly made his debut. So, um, you know, these him and Nick Smith are the wild cards for me, but, but the reason I like Cam Whitmore is because I saw what Miles Bridges was able to do with LaMelo Ball and if you plug and play Cam Whitmore into Charlotte and envision a similar role um, for a player, I think is more talented than Miles Bridges, even though Miles Bridges as a basketball player is a very good player. Um, he's a max but, uh, guy. He's, yeah. he's about to get a max contract. Yeah. And, and I think Cam Whitmore is more talented and has similar explosion and he's similarly built. So I, I basically just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to restock Miles Bridges and hope <laughs> that he's got a higher ceiling. So that was a bit of a fit pick and, I liked what I saw against um, Oklahoma for Villanova. There's a, you know, when he drives left, he, he's going to shoot. When he drives right, he's driving. But, um, but you, you can work on that. Yep. All right. So number three, all right, who's the third team on on your Tankathon mock? Uh, I got the Spurs, and I'm going best player available, uh, Amen Thompson. I, I, there's a world where he could be better than. Uh, then Scoot Henderson, I don't, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm very high on Amen Thompson. And if you're, you know, if you miss out on Wembenyama and Scoot, Amen Thompson is quite a consolation prize. That's nothing to scoff at. And I, I really like the possibility of him becoming the star to play with a guy like Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson. Um, and Trey Jones is pretty good too. And you can, they could play together um, because he's a taller player, but you'd give him the ball. That's a good fit for him. A much better fit than what I have. On my uh, on the five thirty eight, they had the Pistons selecting third, and I think that's probably the absolute worst fit for Amin Thompson <laughs> because he has the he's playing the same position as their last two draft picks, and it's already a weird fit, even though it's really really early. I mean, it's it's too early to really judge it, but it's somewhat of a weird fit with with Jaden Ivy and K. And I think if you throw Thompson in there, he's not going to be there primary ball handler 
And with his shooting, I think he's shooting like 15% from three right now. And he shot like 20-something last year. I think if you take him off the ball, you take away his greatest strength, which is, you know, his playmaking and his athleticism and the advantages that he has there. So San Antonio would be a much, much better fit, hit, fit for him than, than Detroit. All right, so obviously we know who is going one and two. And, and what teams are one and two in that in the tankathon order? Detroit getting scooted at two and the Magic getting Wenbanyama at one. Um, neither fit I love, but yeah, okay. you can't yeah. uh, you can't take fit when you got generational talents. So what do you, what do you do if you're Detroit? You got the same uh, pick. I'm, I'm taking Scoot. He, like he, you can't not take him. I, trading out of that would would be crazy. And I, I just I mean, unless Scoot were to go one in some world, then then Wenbanyama was a beautiful fit, but. In, in the way it's it's boiling down, you just got to take scoop. It's a weird fit, but you got to do it. Yeah. All right. With the number one pick, obviously, it is Victor Wimbayama. And you have them, or based off of Tankathon, Orlando has the number one pick. I want you to break down how you think Wimbayama would fit on this Orlando roster if it's constructed as is today. I'll give you the pitch that is bull bull is thriving. And there's yep. people on Twitter who kind of play with this joke. That's like, Oh, no one's seen this before. And then there's this guy and it's bull bull. He's, he's huge. He's got ball skills. He can shoot. Well, just imagine that and in, in significantly better in Victor Wenbanyama. So you replace bull bull in the lineup and you bring in Victor Wenbanyama, or you could have uh, Wendell Carter. You could, you could have him as an asset and and trade him and he's a really good player he'd be a, he'd be quite a commodity and you build for the future more so and i actually like that idea and i hadn't thought of it but because when Benyama can space the floor he can be your rim protector you have paolo bancaro as your kind of top score of the future franz wagner as a beautiful complementary piece and that's the way i would like my lineup constructed so i would probably have bull bull come off the bench and i'd trade front um wendell carter jr for an asset and you could get quite an asset or a handful of draft picks to come in future years. And they'd really accelerate their timeline um, uh, for competing in, by doing so. And obviously getting a generational prospect like Victor Wenbanyama surely doesn't hurt. So that would be my pitch. Yeah. They already run some very interesting lineups at Wenbanyama to that mix. I mean, five, four pick and rolls, five, three, because Wimayama can can run pick and roll. He can be here, your ball handler and decision maker. Uh, yeah, I mean, Wimayama and, and Bancaro, that would be a pretty scary lineup with, with Franz as like your your third guy. We talk about all types of versatility, and then you could put in some crazy lineup where you have Wimayama and Bowl Bowl on the floor together. I mean, just <laughs> I just I just think of so many creative lineups that, that you could have there. And it, it would be weird because whoever your point guard is, it's like you have to find the perfect point guard for that group, which is someone that is a facilitator that can knock down open shots. It's like they need more so of a facilitator slash table setter defender than like guy that needs a lot of, of high usage. So if you had to choose between the guards that they have on the roster now to fit Wimbayama, who who's the guy that you would absolutely keep? Suggs. Keep Suggs. All right, do you believe in Suggs as a shooter? Somewhat. I I, I don't think he has to be knocked down um, to to be 
adequate. I, I think he can be adequate and he can improve and he's the best defender of those guards that they have. And I, I, I'm, you know, you, people say the it factor or like winning attributes. I, I watched Jalen Suggs in high school. I watched him at Gonzaga very closely. Um, and, and he makes plays that help teams win. And he was able to do it even earlier this season in a few games on a bad team. When, they, when they've when they been in close games, he steps up in big moments. He defends the, be- the best guard on the opposing team, and he does a good job doing so. So I, I think he's the natural person to choose there because he's a adequate score, an improving shooter, and a very good guard defender. Very valid makes it makes a lot of sense there. I know he he got off to a hot start at Gonzaga with the shooting, and his start his start was so hot that he was able to carry over throughout the season. Had somewhat of a decent shooting percentage from three, and then last year, I mean, he really struggled from from three, twenty one percent, and then I think he's at like twenty nine percent this year. So I, he'll definitely need to need to improve those percentages. But if, if you're a believer, then 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 it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, the free throw shooting is okay. Seventy seven last year, sixty five this year. I'm still not sold on on him as as a shooter. I I agree. I'm not sold on him as a shooter. I think he can become good enough with that lineup that he would be the natural player to pick, fill in. And and in this mock draft, if we're following, I've I've got Nick Smith or Osar Thompson at six and seven. So like, you could take one of those guys and and try try going super even younger and have one of those guys be a table setter and defender, and Osar would be your pick. Nick Smith, if you want a dynamic guard. So I mean, they they're they're going to have a plethora of options, and and you know they're going to try some wonky lineups and. And they'll probably have to trade a few of their players and even get even younger and, and trade for assets. But maybe they take a veteran point guard to play with those guys and and have someone learn under the wings of a veteran, a la Mike Conley. But uh, yeah. but I mean, I don't think he'd be there. They're necessarily the one he'd go. They'd get. But that was just the first one that comes to my mind because I see it quite often. On one hand, it makes a little sense because you, I mean, just without knowing their books off the top of my head, they have so many guys on rookie contracts that they probably could use like a larger contract and to me it does make some sense to have a veteran there to be like the the one that balances everything out i mean i even look at houston also as, as someone that could use a mike Conley, and, and you just kind of see his impact in utah right now as soon as he went down they they you know they, they started sliding so makes a lot of sense to me all right well man that wraps it up for this episode thank you the listener for making the locked on nba big board podcast your first listen for your next listen check out the locked on sports today podcast the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day this is available on odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts i am rafael barlow and he is leaf to lean he just gave you his mock draft 1.0 stay tuned for the rest of the week where i will have richard stamen and draft dummy sam ferris share their mock draft 1.0 also once again it's rafael leaf and we are out